Welcome to the Jerick Show. I am Javad Malik, and alongside me is my lovable colleague, as always, Eric Crone. How you doing, Eric? I'm doing pretty good. Yourself? Yeah, very good. Thanks. Very good. All, all things considered. Um, so let's kick off with a question to you. I ask: When you think of a cyber criminal gang or a APT or you know state-sponsored, what comes to mind? Yeah, you, you got to wonder, I, you know, there's probably a lot of different things people are thinking with that. For me, what came to my mind is, you know, I, I came out of the U.S. Army and uh, on the, uh, the the signal side there. And so we did a computer network defense and things like that. So what comes to my mind is the SOC we had, which was a very formal SOC. We had classified and unclassified. We had a very formal process and procedure for everything. Um, and so that's what comes to my mind when we start thinking about like nation state or that type of, um, uh, you know, cyber sort of stuff. Would you, would you ever think of a small outfit above a tea shop in New Delhi? Probably not. No, that's, that's absolutely not what comes to my mind is a small tea shop or a small shop above a tea shop in New Delhi. Yeah. So tell yes. us more. <laughs> yeah, so apparently there's this big story that broke this week where a small, relatively obscure, unknown uh, firm in India, New Delhi, um, they were basically cyber mercenaries, for lack of a better term. So anyone could pay the money, and they were apparently over the last seven years um, helped their clients spy on over 10,000 email accounts. And these belonged to politicians, investors, um, you know, government agencies, the works. Um, so, so they were very, very prolific. Uh, the company's called uh, Beltrox, B-L-L-T-R-O-X. There's a capital X at the end. I suppose it made them sound cool. Uh, <laughs> but um, let, let me see. Um, uh, New Delhi-based Beltrox Info Services targeted government officials in Europe, gambling tycoons in the Bahamas, and well-known investors in the United States, including private equity giant KKR and short seller Muddy Waters, according to three former employees, outside researchers, and a trail of online evidence. And, and this um, was all done from a little shop above a tea shop in New Delhi. That's right. That's, that's crazy. Right. That's crazy. Well, it, it is crazy. Um, and uh, the. This was uncovered by researchers at um, Citizen Lab, and Reuters also had a big story on it. Uh, the, the the founder, or I think uh, the, the owner, uh, Sumit Gupta, he, apparently he's on some charges as well, because back in 2015, um, two private investigators in the US, they were um, arrested and charged with hacking, and they said, well, we gave him the money and he'd done the hacking for us, but those PIs are in, are in jail. Um, he has since fled the U.S. and he's permanently in, in India now. I think the reporters tried to get hold of him and he was like, denied all knowledge. He said, I didn't do no hacking. They provided me with the login IDs and I just downloaded emails for them. So uh, make of that what you will. <laughs> you know, uh, just as a little segue, that reminds me of something. I was working on a, a thing this week and I was talking to a gentleman um, who was a, a journalist and uh, he said he was uh, 
working with another gentleman on a uh, medical records case and said that uh, this guy downloaded the records um, from this apparently exposed area and, and gave it to him. And he's like, oh, yeah, the guy said, you know, because he can just download them, it's perfectly legal if he takes those records. And I was kind of like, uh, that that's some really gray water. It just made me think of that, right? Like putting it off on, oh, well, you know, it wasn't my fault. I just gave him the money. And then he went and did it, and so I, I have no, you know, culpability in this. Kind of an interesting yeah. angle, right? That is. It's like I didn't hack your account. I just sent you an email asking for your login credentials, and you gave them to me. Right, um, right. And and I'm guessing, I, I would have to guess, that that's going to be the way that these attacks went on, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nearly all of them were phishing emails. And, and you speak to, uh, in, in the Reuters article, there was, uh, they spoke to some client, uh, people that were attacked by them. And they said they started off with very generic emails, like just um, horoscopes and things. And then they moved on to very targeted spear phishing emails. They tried to get uh, Facebook accounts off their loved ones and things like that. So It's always phishing, man. We know that. It's it, always phishing, right? That, that's what it comes down to. It's, it's amazing. And you know what? This, this is why they could pull it off above a little tea shop in New Delhi, India, right? Because you don't need all of this crazy tech in order to do some phishing emails. So that, that makes a lot more sense given the context of how they were able to be so prolific in what it was they were doing. And I mean, they, they were targeting some pretty big places and some, some pretty important people, right? Obviously got in there and I'm guessing they got into their accounts and just kind of watched what was going on. Does, does it say what they were doing like that? They didn't say exactly what they what they did, but they know that they tried and in some cases successful in, in compromising some accounts um, and they didn't say who their clients were, which is um, which is where the, the whole using them as a middleman works really well if you're a competitor. So it could be a competitor. It could be a, a nation state. It could be some cyber crime. You, you just don't know that that's the thing. They, they act as a buffer between the, the actual bad guys and, and the victims. So there's a whole whole bunch of that. Um, There was one PI who gave a statement in the story and he was saying that he regularly receives uh, offers from outfits saying, hey, if you want help in your cases, we can download emails for you, we can do this, we can do that. So I think Beltrox is just like the the tip of the iceberg in in that regard that they're not alone. And these were like highly prolific and they went after very high value targets. But I think on the other side, you see lots of very cheap services available who would say, hey, do you suspect your partner's cheating on you? We can hack into their account. And that actually in in some ways is more worrying from a personal or from a human perspective because that ties in a lot with domestic abuse and violence and uh, illegal sort of captivity and all those kinds of issues. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And I'm just thinking about this off the top of my head, you know, like in the Facebook groups, like the 2600 groups and stuff, you'll, you'll have people pop in there on occasion and just be like, hey, can you hack this? Yeah, you know, I need to hack this Facebook account or whatever, you know. So there's all there's these questions like that, like, oh, I locked myself out of my Facebook account, need you to hack me back in. Um, you know, yeah, okay, right. Um, but it, it just kind of sheds light on the fact that there is a a value in offering services like this and there is there are people that are going to want to go do that and that's a great point on the domestic piece right so if somebody's in a relationship you know they get in these relationships 
And the people end up with, you know, they have to have their phone passwords or they have to have all this kind of stuff because they are constantly tracking them, watching them. They put spyware, you know, tracking stuff on their phones. Um, but this is just another way that they would be able to do it a little bit more discreetly. And especially once the relationship is broken off, right? That's a hard part in one of those is when you break off that relationship, having those people able to still, um, you know, chase you down because they're in your technology, they're in your stuff, and they can see what you're doing. And I mean, it's really hard. If you have an email account, say you have a Gmail account, or let's say you have, you know, another account, and it's being checked from other places, how many times do people look to see where their emails are being checked from? Google gives it to you on the bottom of the screen, but do you ever really look at who's logged into that? So, you know, that that's a that's a really interesting angle to go after with that. Indeed, indeed, and, and and you're right. I think it's there's this gap between the technology, what it offers, and the usability and the understanding of it. So yeah, Facebook or Google and all these services, they can say, hey, you can go here and very deep within these settings, you can see when the last time it was logged on from, what the location was, you know, if there've been failed login accounts, you know, all these kinds of things. You can turn on anytime a new device logs on you can get a notification but the, the reality is most people just aren't aware of that or they don't care enough about that um or even if they care they're not really sure what it means or how it, how it goes around so i think there's this divide between you know a massive divide between how technology is used uh, and developed um for uh, for technologists versus the the the, the general public uh, or, or just people who, who you know they they run technology operations or they they work in large corporations they're they're not like technology illiterate but even for them these these are just too deep down a rabbit hole for them to access or understand yeah and you have the issues of you know if somebody logs into the email account and then an email is sent to that account saying someone logged into your account well hey guess what boom delete it you know <laughs> and the other person's none the wiser or you know I look at a lot of my family members that are not technology people, and you're right. They don't they don't know what that means. They go, um, this seems weird, but they don't know who to turn to. They don't know who to ask. They they just kind of go, okay, must have been a glitch, right? It's always a glitch. Um, and so, no, that that's a that's a great point on that too. Um, all very interesting things. Um, yeah, take a look at the article. It's actually fascinating to think about that, and it's fascinating to think about how many other operations like this are running above coffee shops here in the U.S. or tea shops over there or, you know, wherever. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't take these large NSA Salt Lake City, you know, type, you know, or structures to to do these sorts of things um, and to be successful with it, obviously. Now, obviously, he got caught but um, probably has to do with the level of organizations that he went after. So uh, very, very fascinating story. I think it's a, a great thing to think about. And uh, thanks for bringing this to the show this week, Javad. That was, that was quite fantastic. That was, yeah. Thanks for your insights uh, and practical advice for our viewers. So informative and educational. Uh, that's what you get with The Jarek Show. Right. Absolutely. And again, thanks for uh, thanks for tuning in this week. Uh, as always, we do this weekly and talk about some of the uh, the recent things that are going on and have these discussions. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Uh, subscribe here on YouTube and uh, we will see you next week. Javad, what do you have to say? Stay secure, my friends. <laughs>